Bankless Nation. Welcome to this edition of the Bankless Weekly Rollups. We got a unique episode here today because Ryan is on vacation. And so we are bringing in a substitute teacher, Anthony Cezano. Welcome to the Bankless Weekly Rollup. Thank you for getting tapped in here, brother. Hey, mate. Yeah, good to be here. Good to uh, step in for Ryan, even though we don't look anything alike. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I think uh, we, we're both like super Ethereum bulls, so this should be a fun show. That's exactly right. If this is your first weekly roll-up, happy Friday morning. We're bringing the energy. We're bringing a full week's worth of news in the in Friday morning. Get your coffee ready because we are coming at you with everything that's happened in the last week of crypto, starting with markets, what's happened in the markets in the last week, then what got released in the last week, the news, what's happened in the news cycle, and then some ecosystem takes, who had some interesting opinions. And then finally, we will finish up with what David and Anthony are excited about. And of course, last but always the most favorite, the meme of the week. Anthony, are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Before we do, however, we I have an announcement out of the, the bankless world to get your bankless badge. There is a a, a, a perhaps multiple long weeks of giveaways coming. Uh, we are going to give away a BAP, which is one of these shirts. So if you've ever wanted one of these shirts, we're going to give one away to a raffle uh, in a raffle to a bankless badge holder. We're also going to give away an ether, a whole ether to a bankless badge holder, as well as some NFTs. I'm talking with my uh, my buddy who's got a coffee startup for year multiple year long coffee subscriptions. The bankless badge is something that you want to own. Anthony, do you have a bankless badge? Yes, I do, David. Yes, I do. Good. You're going to make it, brother. All right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get right into it. And Luke, if you want to cut it right here, Luke is our editor. He's he's hearing that. And so I can share my screen and go over here to do that. And then I'm sharing this screen. Thank you for bearing with me, sir. Share screen. Boom. All right, guys, we are starting with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is at the kind of high price of $58,300. Again, the last week it was just over $60,000, I believe. And then it even got down to as low as $52,000. And now we are back up towards the north side of that end, $58,300. Anthony, any comments on the Bitcoin price? Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin just seems to be continuing to go sideways as the rest of the market is starting to, I guess, like catch back up, right? Bitcoin had an incredible run over the last few months or even like, I guess, the last year or so. And I think it's it's basically just consolidating in this area, giving some other kind of, I guess, crypto uh, kind of coins, uh, crypto coins, crypto tokens, a, a, a kind of like chance to catch up and everything like that. But yeah, I don't think it's going to stay like this forever. I mean, you know, this doesn't just apply to Bitcoin, but I think over the next few weeks, we have so many bullish catalysts coming up. One of those being, you know, the biggest one being the, the Coinbase direct listing that, you know, I can't see Bitcoin kind of like staying under 60K for much longer. Yeah, look at that. Look at that 30 day chart. Pretty all over the place, but overall flat over 30 days. And usually in bull markets, Bitcoin does not stay flat for very long. Uh, we have plenty of Coinbase related things to talk about in the rest of this weekly rollup. So we are going to, uh, that will be a reoccurring theme of this specific rollup. All right, Ether price. Ether price, over 2000 almost $2,100 at the time of recording. We have a new high of Ether price at uh, $2,151. Uh, Anthony, what are you thinking about the Ether price? Yeah, I mean, as I was just saying, now that Bitcoin's been going sideways, other, other things can catch up and, and ETH has definitely been gaining, uh, especially on the ETH Bitcoin ratio. 
So that's why we see ETH back over two thousand dollars here. And you know, ETH in particular, from what I've seen, looks looks much more bullish than than Bitcoin, at least over the short term. And I think it's about time, right? ETH mm-hmm. needs to needs to you know, I, I I think ETH is still undervalued here. I think it should be should be higher than where it is. So I'm, I'm very happy to see ETH making some some real strides here while while Bitcoin continues sideways. Yeah, right. In that same time period that I was talking about where Bitcoin over the last 30 days has been relatively flat, Ether has definitely been uh, having a pretty strong uptrend. It started uh, 30 days ago at $1,800, ending it at just under uh, uh, $2,100 in the 30-day period, uh, and definitely showing that, that trend that happens when Bitcoin stays flat. And then, of course, Anthony, I know you like this token, uh, the DPI, $436. I believe that's up from uh, last week, uh, but just by a smidge, just by a smidge. Anthony, why don't you, well, tell, tell us what's happening with DPI. Yeah, so I think it's it's funny to see the the way the markets kind of, uh, I guess, maybe changed a little bit. Uh, you know, there, there's this thing called an alt season where a lot of the other kind of coins rally and while Bitcoin stays kind of sideways. But I think we're now seeing kind of like a, a divergence where we have like a, a alt season and a DeFi season because the alt season seems to be a lot of these other kind of like, I guess, like chains and a lot of these projects, like just random projects just going up in value where DeFi has stayed flat. But I think we're, we're due for like a separate kind of DeFi season where people realize, wow, okay, you know, DeFi, you know, isn't going anywhere. It's here to stay. Like I need to buy up these tokens that are part of revenue generating protocols. But, you know, it's funny because you can look at DPI against USD, which is, you know, relatively flat. Um, and then against ETH, which is actually down against because, right. uh, you know, you do, you do want to measure DPI against ETH for sure uh, because they're in the same kind of arena. But I think, you know, sooner or later, it will reverse against ETH as well. Uh, and then ETH will probably go flat for a little bit, uh, go sideways, sorry, for a little bit, and we'll have DPI kind of catch up here. So it's a good measure, I guess, of the overall D- DeFi market through USD, but also kind of how bullish DeFi is against ETH itself. Yeah, totally. And I've been watching this downtrend versus ETH ever ever since March. So uh, DPI has been uh, trending down versus Ether since the very beginning of March, where it hit the high of uh, 0.28 uh, Ether per DPI. Uh, and now it's gone all the way down to just over 0.2, um, 0.21. Um, and I've been using this as an indicator of like exactly what you said, DeFi season, which I which is a good point. And that's something that we have not yet brought on as a topic on the uh, Bankless Weekly Rollup is the differentiation between DeFi season and altcoin season. And what we're seeing, what I'm seeing out of altcoin season is basically rotating into things that I consider the worst, <laughs> worst aspects of crypto. Things like ADA, LTC, uh, Denticoin. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy to finally being, being able to like differentiate between what is alt season versus what is quality capital asset tokens season. Uh, I'm glad we have a differentiator there. Yeah, exactly. And I and I think the reason why it works in cycles is because people tend to rotate money around. So you'll see that m- the money rotate from Bitcoin down to the others, um, you know, and ETH down to, to other things like DeFi. That's why I'm saying when ETH finishes its run and, and starts going sideways for a bit, I think we can really see a DeFi season there because a lot of the kind of like ETH natives and ETH people would rather go into DeFi and they don't, they're not going to buy all this other stuff that's kind of going up right now. Mm-hmm. People who are buying like Aave and Uni and 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 YFI are not buying Denticoin. Those are different cohorts of people. Uh, related to uh, DPI is the Index Co-op. Uh, something I, w- I want to bring up here is uh, Index Co-op, $150 million TVL, total value locked under DPI. Uh, Anthony, what does this mean? 
I mean, it just shows the, the pure demand here for the DeFi Pulse Index, I think. You know, index products typically haven't been super popular within DeFi because of the fact that everyone, you know, I guess like likes to just buy into whatever they, they um, kind of can find and try and like get like a 10x or something because you know the dpi isn't going to give you a 10x in a month right maybe over the long term it'll it'll kind of give you that because it's supposed to be volatility dampened but the fact that we've still got 150 million tvl here from mostly what i would say like the DeFi native crowd because it's not on um kind of like any major centralized exchanges yet i think that just speaks to the demand for this product and i think to get to like 1 billion plus kind of tvl without a kind of like major price rise in DeFi would require some some fresh blood from these centralized exchanges because I think the the audience is very different there. So I'm hoping, you know, the index co-op, and I know they're working on this, can get the DPI onto some exchanges like Coinbase or something like that, where we can kind of like open this up to to a more, I guess, like retail non-DeFi crowd and give, give them exposure to DeFi as well at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. Basically what $150 million market cap means is there's been a $150 million worth of buying demand on the DPI asset, right? When you go to Uniswap and you type in DPI and you purchase it, you are increasing the price of DPI, which means that the way that that gets arbitraged is that more assets come under the uh, the DPI index, right? Uh, and what's pretty cool to me is uh, Lemonade Alpha, he's a part of the uh, index co-op uh, community, the co-op perhaps, uh, and so he's doing the math of the uh, streaming fees that comes out of uh, DPI, and that's $1 million in annual revenue for the Indo Index Co-op Treasury. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, we will be talking more about the Index Co-op throughout this uh, weekly roll-up. Uh, last subject in the market section, uh, David Michal, who's been a, an absolute machine in generating these really easy, really digestible websites, has made another one. Uh, he's the one that made the Crypto Fees website that Ryan and I talk about all the time. And now he has made a, a openorgs.info, open-orgs.info, which is... Uh, and he has this tagline, DAOs are the new companies. What's on their balance sheet? And this is something that we've been uh, saying on the Bankless program over and over and over again. DAOs have money and they want you to go and produce labor for the DAOs to produce something that the protocol wants. Uh, Uniswap sponsored a Bankless. Literally the sponsor, the uh, call to action at the end of the Bankless Uniswap sponsorship is go submit an application. Go get a grant from Uniswap. All of these treasuries have a bunch of money that they want to pay you. Anthony, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, just looking at these numbers is crazy, right? And actually, if you look at something like Uniswap, that's just the vested amount. So Uniswap mm -hmm. has a vesting on their treasury over, I think, three or four years. And if you take like the fully diluted value, I think it's like $15 billion plus. So they already wow. have $5.2 vested here, which, as you said, yes, they can invest in like a bunch of different things out of the treasury. They're already doing so. You know, we, we make our way down the list and it's just absolutely insane to see how big some of these treasuries are. Um, and as I said, some of them are vesting. The index co-op is the same. It vests over three years. Um, and so, you know, the, the total vested amount is 52 million right now, which I think is really cool because this, I mean, speaking of like the index co-op, I know we're going to talk more about it, but, you know, that treasury also goes to paying people to, to work for the protocol, essentially, to paying contributors in index tokens. Um, so I think uh, a bunch of these other kind of DAOs are doing that as well. And that's the real power, I think, of this is not maybe not so much like investing in like ecosystem stuff, but like giving actual kind of uh, monetary value in the form of this token to people doing work for, for the organization, which truly does make it a, an open org or a DAO, right? Um, you know, or, or, or a DO, maybe not as autonomous as we would like it to be, but a decentralized organization where anyone can come in, contribute work and get paid in uh, these tokens, which I think is the really, really cool aspect of these treasuries. 
Right. We, we, are, we know the Web2 gargantuans in Facebook and Google and, and, all, the, and all those people. Uh, if you want to get a hint at what the Web3 gargantuans might look like, go look at the size of these treasuries. Uh, speaking of that Uniswap ad, uh, we need to take a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. MetaMask is your go-to wallet for the Bankless journey. If you're going Bankless, you need MetaMask, period. Browser and mobile, get them both. This is your tool to unlock the world of DeFi. Here's my favorite part. Now you can swap tokens directly in MetaMask with a single swipe. This has got to be the easiest way to trade Ethereum tokens. Choose a token you own, a token to exchange it with, and get your quotes. If you like what you see, you hit swap. That's it. What makes swap so useful is what happens behind the scenes. It compares DEXs, aggregators, and market makers to find you the best price with the lowest network fees and the least slippage. This means you can swap a wider range of tokens and swaps can even automatically split up your trade to give you access to better liquidity. You don't even have to think about it. Try it out. Download MetaMask for desktop or mobile now at metamask.io and start swapping. All right, guys, and we are back with releases. The first thing that both I'm pretty sure Anthony and I are excited about is our good friend DC Investors released his new um, his new newsletter, The Catalyst. DC is really big in the world of NFTs and overall in DeFi. We had him on the Bankless podcast with Anthony and Eric Connor for the bull case for Ethereum. Fantastic podcast. Go ahead and go listen to that. Um, but also, DC is releasing uh, his new newsletter, The Catalyst. Uh, and so if you want to follow DC's thoughts, go and give that newsletter a follow anthony have you followed the catalyst yet oh of course i have i mean dc investor has uh been writing things for a long time actually he uh he used to be very active on reddit still is active on there but you know pre-twitter days uh was much more active and he wrote a lot on there and i used to read a lot of it and it's funny because like when you read something on reddit you never kind of i i guess uh uh, look at the I mean sometimes you look at who's saying it but some, you know a lot of the time you miss it I don't know if maybe that's just me but then I went back and I saw oh my god like all these amazing things that I used to read were, were from DC Investor so yeah definitely go subscribe to this um, it's not like a daily thing or anything like that I think it's a it's a just whenever he feels like writing something thing which I think is it works really well I mean his first piece was on kind of like um, what I guess like uh, what, what 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 the ecosystem looks like as part of I guess like a multi-chain future and like you know what it what it takes to get there sort of thing and, and how that's how he thinks that's going to play out so yeah if you're interested in 
in just random thoughts. I don't think it's just going to be NFT. I think it's just going to be anything that's on his mind. Um, for, you know, when he wants to write about it, then definitely go give this a, a subscribe. Awesome. All right, on to the next. Uh, there is a new protocol getting released. Uh, what is this called? This is called uh, Cryptex, Cryptex Finance. And they are doing a, a, a synthetic asset, a collateralized synthetic asset that is tracking the value of the total market cap of all of crypto. Uh, and the, uh, the actually, the interesting thing about this is not only is that is that synthetic asset really, really cool, but the, uh, the team behind this, I think, is also worth noting about. Um, but we will get into that team later. Uh, the Cryptex system uses uh, Chainlink oracles to uh, get an aggregate of uh, five different total crypto market cap uh, prices or valuations. So like the total crypto market cap from CoinMarketCap, from CoinGecko. Uh, these people have APIs and they are reporting the total value of all crypto assets combined. And the Cryptex, uh, Cryptex.Finance uh, protocol, uh, which has its own governance token already, uh, is uh, trying to generate a synthetic asset that's collateralized by, uh, by DAI and Ether and other ERC-20 tokens to produce this new synthetic asset. Anthony, what can you tell us about this? Yeah, I mean, I saw this last night just before I kind of went to bed here. Um, and it reminded me of like, I guess, what's happening with the index co-op, of course, like just the index product and things like that. But it's good to see kind of like teams uh, tackling, I guess, like a, a, I mean, I wouldn't call it like super different, but like something, something that's very unique. Like the total crypto cap is obviously something that a lot of people uh, will, um, will will quote, right? A lot of the time they'll, they'll talk about it. They'll be like, oh yeah, just got to $2 trillion. Like look at the growth of crypto. And there was no real way to track it that I know of before. Uh, and now you can just buy this synthetic token and you can track, uh, the, you know, you can basically track the entire growth of the crypto ecosystem. So if you, if you just want like a really safe token, because realistically, this is not going to increase like a, a ton in value over time, right? Because, you know, the mark, total market cap's already at 2 trillion. If we go to like 10 trillion, you get an 80% kind of gain there. But if you if you think about it, right, that is like an 80%, like to, to get to 10 trillion from here is going to take a while, I think. And an 80% gain in crypto is is just like very, very kind of like small. Um, so it, it's literally, I think, a very uh, safe asset. So if you just want really safe exposure, you think crypto in general is going to grow and you think it's going to become like a really big asset class, bigger than what it is now, I think this is the product for you. So really great product for that. I mean, I mean, I could see it being part of anyone's portfolio. If you just want something that dampens the volatility in your portfolio, uh, and still gives you kind of like that exposure to to the growth of crypto, then this is definitely something that I, I think people should take a look at. Yeah, if this asset was created a year ago in January 2020, it would have been, uh, I'm going to make up some numbers, but the, ac the accuracy will still be there. It would have been $20. And then today, if that, that $20 would have turned into $200. Uh, so a, a 10x over um, just a little over a year. Uh, the, again, and uh, kind of like how I said at the beginning, the, the interesting uh, team, uh, thing about this to me is the team. Uh, Preston Van Loon is one of the, the leads behind uh, Prismatic Labs. Uh, and there are some other like core Ethereum blockchain developers on this team. Uh, Anthony, what, do you have any, any comments on that? Yeah, for sure. And actually, I just uh, did some head math. Sorry, I want to correct what I said. It's not an eighty percent gain from two trillion to ten trillion. It's like a five x. Yeah. I was working. I was working the back inverse, saying yeah. like if uh -huh. it was ten trillion to two, mm -hmm. it would go minus eighty percent. So still very, very good. Like very good exposure there. But yeah, anyway, 
no, that's what caught my eye as well. It was like, you know, Preston Van Loon has been heavily involved with the ETH2 effort for quite a while now. Um, You know, one of my favorite people in the space, of course, and working on kind of like um, Ethereum protocol work. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's what I always look at, I guess, in general um, for these new projects is like, who are the people behind it? Now, I know there are a lot of good projects right now that have anonymous um, or at least pseudonymous developers behind them, but they usually come with a name as well. I know, for example, you know, Alchemix has Scoopy Triples, who's been around for quite a while. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's not like someone just came out and created a protocol and then, you know, they're just totally anonymous, which is obviously like a quote unquote rug pull risk. So, yeah, always looking at the team, looking at kind of what they've done in the past um, and kind of like, you know, where their kind of head is, I think, uh, in, in this space. And that's what I, something I remember back in 2017 that was always like chanted on the on the Reddit and on on Twitter saying like, hey, if you're trying to evaluate a project, go look at the team. And me as a, as a crypto noob, I'd be like, okay, I looked at the team. Like, I still don't know anyone. And like the only reason why I'm able to do this now is because I've been in in this space for three years. I know who these people are. And that's the difference between maybe people coming in on their first cycle versus maybe their second cycle is like, oh, you understand and know people that have still that have stuck around because the people that stick through the bear markets are people who you know are convicted and have the right beliefs about this place and and that's why i feel good about about scoopy triples like he's anonymous but he's been around like he's not totally anonymous he's more pseudo anonymous like he has a brand he has an identity uh and and uh, people like preston van loon have uh, have all that same thing but he's, he's actually not anonymous um and so that's definitely some of the benefits of, of being in this space a longer time you start to pick up on names and people and it's easier to evaluate things mm-hmm. yeah exactly all right, moving on to uh, DYDX on layer two. We uh, we did a state of the nation with both DYDX and uh, Star- Starkware about this. For, so for those that missed that state of the nation, go back and tune into that. It was really fantastic. Um, but layer two is actually starting to get deployed. Something that has always been a theme lately on the Bankless program is like, oh, we are one to three months away from this scaling protocol coming. Like, nope, this one is here. You can actually go trade on layer two with DYDX right now and escape all of the gas fees of Ethereum and only pay a small trading fee that you are used to paying when you trade on normal brokerages. Uh, Anthony, are you stoked for this or what? Oh, dude, like this is just like some of the most bullish news. I mean, I think the most exciting thing was that they went from like an alpha um, to like an open public kind of layer two in a matter of weeks, right? Didn't have to wait very long at all. And, you know, it's a full kind of suite built on StarQuest technology, which is uh, some of the best in the industry for layer two scaling. They're already doing, uh, I saw uh, one of the StarQuest uh, co-founders say that within the first 24 hours, they already did $10 million of volume, which is crazy, right? Because, you know, you think about people still have to onboard into onto this kind of stuff, right? They still have to get their assets on this stuff to kind of like learn about it and do some trading or whatever. So, and, and it becomes like a, a compounding or an exponential growth after that. So I, I do think that, we're going to see some some incredible growth here rather quickly um, because, I mean, something like DYDX didn't even really work on layer one because it was an order book based exchange, right? On, on layer one, those things don't really work. We had the AMMs kind of explode in usage because they work much better. Now, and, and this is what layer two enables, not just the fact that we can get like cheaper, uh, well, much cheaper fees and, and faster transactions, but we can also actually use a product like this now and grow it to rival the centralized incumbents, which is what excites me the most. All right, Anthony, I said we were going to talk about index stuff further on in the show. And here's where we talk about that. Something new out of the index team is the Metaverse Index from the Index Co-op. Uh, Anthony, what can you tell us about the Metaverse Index? 
Yeah, so this has been in the works for quite a, uh, quite a while now, something that the community was very excited about. It basically came from the community. Uh, the Index Club community came up with this idea that the metaverse or this kind of concept of a virtual worlds, um, you know, with, within like the digital asset, asset space, like NFTs, you know, um, collectibles, uh, you know, uh, in-game uh, items and stuff like that. You know, the, the, the community kind of came together and said, well, you know, we should create an index for this. Like this is a huge theme right now. People want exposure to this. But there's so many tokens they just don't know which one to buy and they don't know what's going to be around in the future of course or, or no kind of obviously no one knows what's going to go up in value or not so this basically uh, metaverse index takes 15 uh different tokens uh and there'll be more added in the future but 15 different tokens in the metaverse kind of ecosystem and just puts them into an index and you can just buy this and and just it's the same as like the dpi automated kind of um you know uh rebalancing once a month uh, you know, uh, automated performance. You don't have to do anything. You can just buy and sell it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for this. And fun fact, the logo was also designed as part of like a competition as well. So we did an open competition where people could design different logos and there were a lot of really cool ones. Um, but this one kind of won out and I actually really like this one. It, it kind of, I think captures it quite well. Um, this new kind of like virtual world that you can kind of go into. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think in general, like I'm biased here, but the index cop is so great because of the fact that they work together and they're very cohesive and they can bring these products that are now at a $2.5 million market cap to life rel relatively quickly. Uh, and, and that's that's already streaming uh, revenue to the index cop treasury as well. So it's just, a, it's just been great to see this evolve and, and kind of go live. And the Index Co-op releases aren't stopping. This is actually something that we are doing here at Bankless with Index Co-op. Uh, the BED Index, the Bitcoin, Ether, DPI, uh, it's going to be a great meme. Get ready to hear a bunch about it on, on, on Bankless. Re get ready to get in bed with Bankless. Uh, Ryan and I think that this is a great index uh, uh, just for really covering all your bases. You know, Bitcoin, how can you argue with Bitcoin? Ether, how can you argue with e Ether? And then DPI is Ethereum's app layer. And it's kind of been the Bankless thesis as basically this is mo basically all of what crypto has to offer. Uh, and so if you just want passive like no thought exposure to the cryptocurrency industry, we think the BED index uh, will be a great index to have. And it is going into a, a, a governance decision for the index co-op. It doesn't yet exist. We want it to exist. If you are an index holder and you think that this index should ex exist, go vote for it. And that's that's the purpose of the index token is it's a governance token. So if you think the, uh, the BED index should be a thing, go ahead and, and vote for it. I think the cool thing about um, what we could do with the BED index is uh, not just have ether just dormant ether but have uh, staked ether um the the concept of uh our eth from rocket pool comes to mind where it's ether that is is kind of like um the, the, it's got the passive income of staked Ether baked into it. And then there's also other things that we could do with uh, the DPI. Like there's other, like with the Aave token, which is a pretty decent amount of the tokens inside of Aave, uh, you can actually stake, stake those uh, Aave tokens into the Aave protocol for 4%. And so the, the, uh, the social contract that we are trying to make happen with the bed index is making sure that the bed is uh, tr as trust-free and attuned to the principles of Ethereum and decentralization, yet is also being highly productive at the same time. And so that's the goals of the bed index. Also, not the only index being added to a governance vote in the index co-op. Synthetics Debt Mirror Index is also up for governance vote. Uh, the index team really making, just churning out new indexes. Uh, nice job, guys. 
Yeah, I mean, this is this is great. I mean, I, I've been following this stuff in the in the forum and on the Discord, and definitely trying to churn out products, you know, much quicker here, and not just any kind of products, products that people actually want. So I definitely agree with you that, that the bed index is going to be super popular. You know, especially uh, as as at Bankless, you'll have like an audience to basically mm -hmm. you know get on board with it, get them kind of like uh, get them into um, bed, you know, do the. Yeah, exactly. Get them into bed. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, the, and the debt mirror index is also a one that I'm really excited about because it basically protects SNX stakers um, from this kind of volatility that they find themselves in within the debt pool. Um, so it essentially allows you to kind of dampen that volatility there. So both of these products, I think are going to be absolutely massive. So I'm very excited to see them see them go live. All right, we uh, talked about Scoopy Triples. The reason why I say that name is because it's so fun to say, but uh, Scoopy Triples, founder of Alchemix, is now proposing Alchemix DAO. Uh, Anthony, I actually don't know too much about this, and I know you talked about it on the Daily Gway. Uh, and it, maybe you could give us a little prelude of what is in here. What's, what's the Alchemix DAO? Uh, what's the goal of that? Yeah, so I, I guess like this post just details what they want the, the Alchemix DAO to be and what they want it to look like and kind of like their, their commitments and their vision and mission sort of thing as well. So uh, the Alchemix DAO, I mean, it's going to be very similar to other DAOs uh, within the ecosystem. You know, as, as we showed before, uh, there's a, the Alchemix has a lot of, um, a lot of uh, money in their treasury already, right? You can see almost there. Almost a billion. A, yeah, almost a billion, right? So, you know, it's definitely um, time for them or almost time for them to to just transform themselves into a DAO. They have a very strong community already. I mean, I, I, I lurk the Discord. They're just, they're just doing so many things on there. It's really cool to see. But the DAO will obviously include governance. So token holders will be able to, um, to vote on different things and, and vote on different kind of like parameter changes and stuff like that. Um, it'll obviously um, accrue revenue as well um, from, from the product. So token holders will have a have a claim on that revenue. Uh, they did tease in the post uh, more stuff about, you know, if you're an Alchemix token holder, there's actually more coming for you. So more bonuses sort of thing. And I think they're going to work with other protocols to, to kind of, I guess, maybe uh, come up with like some sorts of uh, revenue for, for Alchemix token holders or other, other sorts of things there. And then what they also did in this post is they, they spoke briefly about their layer two plans. And, you know, what I really liked is that there's a quote here um, somewhere where they basically said, you know, they are there. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, they say by harnessing, uh, sorry, uh, uh, where is it? While layer two solutions come in several shapes, we can't arbitrarily pick any layer two because we have zero knowledge about which solution will emerge as the winner. But we're optimistic that dApps converge on one during the development of Alchemix DAO. So there's like three puns in there. Um, but basically, and then they go on to say, by harnessing the throughput of layer two solutions, Alchemix DAO will be inclusive of all Ethereans without sacrificing our ethos of decentralization first. So they are extremely Ethereum, Ethereum aligned uh, and, and obviously really want to stay true to Ethereum's ideals. And that's, I mean, that's a major reason uh, why I've, I've backed Alchemix and why I hold Alchemix tokens is because I know that they're like this and the project itself is very sound. So any teams that are just like super Ethereum aligned like this is something that I want to be involved in. But yeah, th this post got me really bullish because they already kind of know what they want to do. I mean, they're already one of the top DeFi protocols and for them to kind of go uh, launch this DAO and give token holders a, a claim on the revenues uh, is, is going to be really, really awesome, I think. Yeah, uh, I guess I should disclaim that I also hold Alchemix tokens, and so I'm biased as to have perhaps the agenda, putting the agenda agenda together. But it, I have been chanting this this same um, uh, drum over and over and over again. It's like uh, protocols that actually put collect fees, which there are many protocols that do not collect fees for the token holders, I think are setting a new paradigm, quote unquote new paradigm, um, for what could be. And one of my biggest criticisms of the equity stock market is that 
you know, it's 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 just it seems to be a, a game of uh, greater fools because there's no meaningful difference if the equity isn't paying fees. Then you're just trying to sell that equity to the somebody who can pay for it at a higher point in time. I'm hopeful that tokens on Ethereum will not fall into that same trap and will instead be valuated by the actual fees that they are collecting to their protocols. Um, there's also a second Alchemix update, which is their transmuter, which is one of the core contracts that makes the Alchemix system work, got an upgrade. It, it took a, a number of hours for this upgrade to complete. Um, but the, and the, the transmuter is how Alchemix uh, turns, um, it turns a, L, a, a, oh boy, AlUSD, which is their synthetic USD token into, or excuse me, it turns DAI into AlUSD uh, so that the loans can automatically be repaid. And that is basically what the Alchemix system does. It is a, you deposit your money and you get a loan based on the future yield of your, of your deposits. And it does that by depositing DAI into Yearn. And so it's also very integrative. Uh, Anthony, what can you tell us about this uh, Transmuter V1.1 migration? Yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a pretty big upgrade here, I think. If you scroll down to the second tweet, they explained that the transmuter, and it's probably grown since since here, uh, now holds over 200 million DAI, which is, as you said, deployed to, to Yearn Finance here. And the effective yield on that at the time was 37% on your DAI deposits. And you put it well, what they do is they basically uh, pay your loans uh, automatically for you. So, I mean, this, this kind of like, I mean... It's funny because when you think about it, this is something that naturally lends itself to DeFi and is very programmatic, right? We can do this in smart contracts. But when you really grasp what's happening here, will you get a loan against your stable coin? So, you know, the, 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 there's no risk of kind of liquidation here because of the fact that it's a stable coin kind of loan. Um, and then you're paying back the debt. So over time, essentially your loan is being paid back by the yield generated on your principal. I mean, when you really grasp that concept, I know it's it's been funny because like, I think it's mind blowing, but I've been seeing a bunch of like traditional finance folks kind of attack this and say that this is like a Ponzi or a scam, but it's not like all of it is accounted for. All of the, the money is accounted for. The yield is coming from a, a yearn vault, which is doing you know a bunch of different things to generate that yield, but it's all real. It's not like we're printing money out of thin air. Like if there is no real dollars to come in and back this up, or if there's no kind of, I guess like you know uh, demand for for borrowing assets or for like um, buying the, the 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 tokens that are being paid out sometimes, then that it's just not going to work, right? So I think a lot of people fail to grasp the fact that there is a lot of um, it's all backed by real assets at the end of the day and real demand. So yeah. Once I really wrapped my head around Alchemix the first time, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be huge. <laughs> yeah, every time I think of a loans that automatically pay themselves back, I'm like, oh, those poor students with all those student loans out there, they would really, they sure, sure would love to have that. Um, but there is a difference between uncollateralized loans and, and credit mm -hmm, loans, so mm -hmm. that, that is a categorical difference. Anyways, moving on, some drama that happened in the last week. Uh, I guess we'll actually get to the drama second, but uh, Faye Labs re released the, uh, the Faye... Uh, stablecoin, which is an algorithmic stablecoin, uh, which is kind of a, a new frontier in the world of DeFi innovation. A lot of teams are trying to tackle the uncollateralized uh, uh, algorithmic stablecoin. And there's a spectrum of to what degree that the collateral is or isn't there. Um, and this one uh, was, had this kickstart like a Genesis event where people could come and put their ether into a contract and they would be minted these new face stablecoins. And that ether would then represent the liquidity that backstopped, uh, backstopped the Faye token. So I, I guess it was to, to some degree uh, collateralized. And then the, the incentive behind this is that you could, we would also be able to access the tribe governance token. Everyone likes governance tokens, and so 
because this was like kind of an open release and you know permissionless and what ethereum is really really good at is capital um capital formation a lot of money got allocated into this uh, into this tribe contract, and uh, I, in my opinion, it's th things started to break down or have been breaking down, um, but not not completely. I would say I would just say that it didn't it wasn't the smoothest start because people's expectations were so high. People got this release and it was like, oh, I'm just going to ape into this because it's a brand new governance token, forgetting that when everyone else also apes into it, that like <laughs> this perhaps is getting a little bit out over the ski tips. Anthony, I know you're, you're a little bit closer to the system than I am. Did I explain that okay? Yeah, you did. You did. And, you know, I, I think I should say that I'm a small seed investor in, in Faye Protocol. Mm -hmm. So just to get that out of the way as a disclosure, but I mean, yeah, this was like the talk of crypto Twitter for the last week or so. Like so many people were kind of, I guess, like hating on it because the sale didn't go exactly, um, you know, as planned. And for those who don't know, the TLDI is basically the sale finished and then the Fay peg was, uh, was not at a dollar. So basically immediately fell below peg. It hung around the 95 cent mark for quite a while. But the kicker here is that people wanted to sell their Fay to get their ETH back, right? Because right. they were just going in to, to get the tribe governance token. But the way Fay works is that the further away from the peg that it is, there's this thing called uh, uh, direct incentives. And what that means is that you're penalized um, exponentially uh, uh, by, by selling Fay here. So yeah, you can see here, for a Banteg put out a chart that basically says, if the Fay price, I mean, as a simple example here, if the Fay price is 95 cents, you, you couldn't sell Faye and, and only take a five cent kind of haircut here. You would be taking a, an additional 30% haircut because the protocol would burn 30% of your Faye before giving you the ETH for it. And this is a mechanism that is supposed to discourage selling when Faye is under peg. But this only works if there's demand for Faye. Now, because Faye as a stablecoin is brand new, it is not integrated into pretty much any DeFi apps. It is not, um, you know, it, it is not something that people want to hold or that there's demand for. And naturally, there was just this absolutely massive kind of um, sell pressure, which kept pushing the peg down. And now eventually the Faye team turned off the, the burn mechanism so that people could exit. But the, the, but the coin is still off peg. Like Faye is at like, what, 70 cents now or something like that. So people are still taking this massive haircut. But you can see like how rapidly it dropped from like the 90s to the 70s when, when the, when the, when the um, I guess like the burn mechanism was turned off because people just want their ETH back. Right. You know, ETH running up as well, right? Like you'll probably like to yourself, okay, well, I'll take this 30%. Um, haircut on ETH, but like I'll make it back because ETH's going to go up, or you know, or, or something like that. I, I'd rather hold my ETH than 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 Fay. But you know, from that point of view, I, and as I said, I am I am a, a kind of biased here because I'm a small seed investor. I don't think this is like the death for Fay or anything. I actually just think that the fact that there was just too much supply and like basically zero demand for the token is the reason why I ended up in this situation. But I do think the mechanism can work you know, in the right conditions, given that there is not like this massive over overhang of supply. So I think that's what the team is trying to do now is basically get to a point where supply and demand reach an equilibrium, Faye gets back to peg, uh, and then all, all is kind of, uh, I guess, well and good there. But yeah, very interesting kind of thing to follow along with. And, you know, at one point with the burn mechanism was on and it, it, the penalty got to 100%. So if you sold your Faye, you would be left with zero. You wouldn't get any ETH. It would just burn all of your Faye. So obviously they had to turn it off at that stage and, and kind of go back to the drawing board and see what they can do here. 
the nature of uncollateralized stablecoins is, is inherently a balancing act. And that, that balancing point is always at the most chaotic point right at Genesis, especially when, you know, in, when there's a, a contract, a brand new contract, which you get this brand new governance token, it, it incentivizes ape culture. This is what ape culture is. People just ape in and people that are aping in to like way too much ETH because like how, how much ETH was it? It was like 670 thousand six hundred and thirty nine thousand ether not dollars mm -hmm. ether uh and people were looking to make a quick buck and algorithms algorithmic stable coins probably not the best place to make a quick buck uh this is a long-term game that like to, to what you say the mechanisms probably sound over time people that are just having short time horizons just kind of need to get washed out so the people with the longer time horizons can stay and they're the people that's really going to to balance the fay the fay price uh how, how do you feel about that take yeah, I, I, I think so. And, and it's funny because like, um, it, it really is what you said, like ape culture where <laughs> people didn't read how this worked. Because if you knew how it worked, you wouldn't have aped in like this because I I, mean, I didn't, like I saw it and I, I had people asking me, they're like, you know, should I go in? I'm like, you know, I, I, I obviously I, I, I can't really say much because of my biases and, and kind of like my conflicts of interest here. But I said to all of them, like, do your own research, just read up on what this is before you put your money into it. Um, because, yeah, I mean, this is exactly what happened. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I thought this was going to happen, you know, to, to this extent or anything like that. I mean, I didn't expect there to be over 600,000 ETH going into this sale, but people thought that they could put their ETH in, right? Uh, and then get these tribe token for free and then also get their ETH back out by selling Faye. And that's not what happened. So now there's a lot of trapped ETH here, which I don't know, you know, maybe that's bullish short term for the price. You know, there's a lot of ETH taken out of circulation effectively here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, basically ape culture. And it's also scary because it kind of like shows that we're in like such a frothy market right now, like extremely frothy. And it, it kind of gets like, you know, how long can that go on for? Maybe it can go on for a while. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's still the Faye protocol now has still almost a billion dollars to play with um, as part of one of its mechanisms called protocol controlled value, as you can see here. So now what it can do is it can basically keep uh, reweighting itself to get Faye back to peg until eventually all the sellers are kind of exhausted. They're out. And then the ETH left is basically just the people who want to stay in and, and support the project and be part of the, I guess, Faye pool. Yeah, to put this into perspective, 640,000 Ether, there's roughly 115 million Ether and total total supply and 640,000 of that, which is over 1.3 billion, billion dollars got deposited into this contract. So obviously like for something at Genesis, like that's a big, big mountain of capital to have to try and balance at Genesis. Um, anyway. And, and you know what, you know, what's funny, um, thinking mm -hmm. back to the last kind of, um, project that got such a big uh, kind of amount of money in it so fast was maybe the, the Dow. Um, and at the time it wasn't $1.3 billion. It was more ETH. I think it was like 20 million ETH, mm -hmm. but because ETH was only worth like $10, it was much right. less on a dollar value. Um, but it's just funny to see now, like how people just still do this, right? You know, the, the, the contract here could have just easily as been as damaging as um, the Dow. There could have been a critical bug in it, right? Um, where, you know, th this ETH could have gotten drained. So imagine if we saw like the Dow 2.0, uh, you know, in, in 2021, that would have been a very interesting to see. <laughs> right, right. We probably wouldn't have gotten rolled back. That's for sure. We probably would have no. left that the way that it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's no way it would have gotten rolled back. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so Polygon continues to make a ton of integrations. Uh, and this one's a little bit different, actually. Polygon and Connext partner to build the multi-chain future. Connext, uh, we recently did a Meet the Nation with Connext uh, uh, very founder, I think, co-founder, Arjun Bhuktani. Uh, and he took us through the history of Connext. And Connext has really been pioneering the world of state channels, which is one of the earliest uh, primitives for scaling Ethereum. And, and state channels is just basically like a bar tab, right? Where Anthony's the bartender, I'm the, the, the beer drinker, and I come and I give him my credit card and then we make seven transactions because I bought seven beers uh, and then we close out the transaction at the end of the day and that's one transaction that settles on the visa network state channels are the same concept you know up you know up effect, effectively infinite levels of transactions between two parties and then they settle on the main chain after that uh, connect is has really pivoted into uh, something new which is state channels across l2s and that's where the this relationship between polygon and connects comes in where connects is uh, helping bridge assets and liquidity across various l2s and polygon as one of the most in recently integrated uh, l2 network you can't even go a week without seeing somebody integrate with polygon now connects is working with polygon to get uh, assets and liquidity moving from l2 to l2 and even chain to chain uh using the connect state channels and anthony anything anything to add here yeah the disclosure i'm an advisor to polygon quickly there but uh, essentially this is really cool to see i mean as you said this is kind of like bridging different l2s different kind of chains together uh, and connects is, is basically at the heart of that because they've been working on this for quite a while now this is i think uh a critical issue not a critical issue but like a big issue that is going to get solved by connects is that we have these l2s all spinning up but a lot of them are siloed right now so how do we connect them right and i think you know connects is, is similar to other projects that out there like i guess chain and things like that they want to do this cross-chain kind of exchange and and, and stuff like that uh, and, and that's what connects is doing here they're connecting polygon uh you know to i guess like ethereum mainnet to other l2s um and and it's doing it in a trustless way as well so the, the holy grail is creating like a bridge that is like fully trustless and um it, it's very hard to do a lot of the bridges typically these days are very very centralized they're not actually trustless um so if connects can nail this and, and kind of scale it as well because i think scale is always the the kicker here it's like you can nail it but like does it scale because if it doesn't scale then it doesn't matter um so if they can do that then i think that's going to be a, a huge win for, for for them as a platform and a huge win for for the ecosystem because just having liquidity seamlessly go between l2s between side chains between chains is going to be a game changer i think Absolutely. All right, we're going to burn through some of these because <laughs> Anthony and, and I like to talk, but uh, Coinbase active users grew in 117% in Q1 2020, uh, 2021, revenue topping $1.8 billion. The reason why this is, of course, relevant is because Coinbase releasing, recently released its S1, which disclosed basically all of the information about Coinbase's internal books, right? Because Coinbase is going public in roughly two weeks. Uh, and even less than that, I think. Uh, it's a week. It's it, Yeah, it's not even a week now. It's like the 14th of, of wow. April, I think. So close. Yeah. yeah. I feel like people mm. aren't talking about that enough. Uh, some people are definitely talking about that, but, but not enough. Anthony, any comments on co uh, Coinbase public listing? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. The fact that, you know, they obviously wanted to bring out their Q1 earnings before the public listing was not an accident mm -hmm. um, because if you look at their, their their kind of results here, it's absolutely, you know, phenomenal. They have some of the most insane growth out of any company you would see, like in terms of percentage growth, uh, this is just absolutely insane. And 
because they're going to be listing on, you know, doing a direct listing, there's going to be a ton of new kind of investors now that haven't touched crypto before that are going to be buying Coinbase's stock. And I saw an, uh, uh, one of the financial institutions basically re-rate Coinbase's stock price up from, I think it was like $190 to $440. So basically, you know, more than doubled it, which means Coinbase is going to open at a $200 billion plus market cap more likely. And there's going to be so much froth around this. This is like, if you think about it, Silicon Valley based company, right? Unicorn out the gate, like massive unicorn, like obviously like 200X a unicorn in an in a extremely hyper growth industry being crypto. You know, the prospects here are just absolutely insane. So this is going to be one of the biggest events for crypto ever, I think, in terms of like general awareness, froth. I mean, you know, it's going to affect the rest of the crypto market as well. So trading this is going to be like pretty, pretty volatile. I think the, the markets are definitely going to be volatile around this event. Um, but it's the first time a lot of, uh, I guess, like people outside of crypto are going to get exposure to crypto because Coinbase's revenues are directly tied to the performance of the crypto markets because it's all volume based. The more trading volume, the more fees that they make. So if the crypto markets are quiet, Coinbase is quiet. If the crypto markets are hot, Coinbase is hot. So by buying Coinbase's stock, you are directly getting exposure to crypto um, you know, and the crypto markets and the crypto volatility there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't see this being a, a small event, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely not. Uh, Coinbase made $1.8 billion in revenue, meaning they were in profit in the quarter by... Uh, somewhere between 700 and 800 million dollars uh, and get a load of this this is absolutely crazy uh, for all of 2020 total trading volume on coinbase was 193 billion dollars and in q1 of 2021 only is was to a total trading volume topped 335 billion let me repeat 193 billion dollars in revenue or in uh, trading volume all throughout all of 2020 and then in just Q1 we are at 335 billion dollars uh, that is crazy and uh, I, th I don't think it matters what the uh, valuation of coinbase is at, at day one everyone is buying that no matter what we are in a late stage credit cycle there's plenty of cash going around Coinbase is the only asset on the stock market that gives you pure exposure to crypto assets in general. Uh, people are going to ape into coin no matter what. And we have some uh, some takes to talk about further on in the take section as well. Anthony, that was just releases. And I wasn't too good about my categories, but now we're going to go ahead and get into Ethereum news. Mark Cuban says on, on, a, uh, on a public interview on a, his cryptocurrency portfolio, I own a lot of Ethereum because I think it's closest, closest to a true currency. Uh, hot take from, uh, from Mark Cuban, one that I would agree with. Yeah, very hot take. And, and, you know, obviously Mark Cuban's been very active within the, I guess, Ethereum space. You, you guys have him on on Bankless to talk a lot about like the NFT stuff that he's been heavily involved with. Uh, but yeah, I think he just like, he's, he's like us, right? He, he, he sees the utility of an asset to be uh, the, the thing that gives it the most value. And I think that uh, I, I totally agree with that, right? That's why I don't really hold any Bitcoin is because I mean, you can do stuff with your Bitcoin on Ethereum with kind of like, I guess, tokenized Bitcoin, but that didn't exist for a long time. And also a lot of that is centralized. So, you know, ETH being such a productive asset and you can do so much with it. I mean, the NFT economy is priced in ETH. All this kind of stuff happens. You stake your ETH, you put it in DeFi. I think that's the the, the reason why, you know, Mark Cuban kind of likes ETH as well, is that the utility value is just so much greater than 
than than Bitcoin. Even though I think you, you showed it just before, he owns more Bitcoin than mm-hmm. ETH still. But I think that's just pure on like a portfolio construction perspective, where it's like a market cap weighted thing. Right. Uh, but he's actually if he's doing it market cap weighted, he's actually overweight ETH here, yeah, which double. is good, which is very nice to see. <laughs> yeah, wait, not even so. Sixty percent Bitcoin, thirty percent Ethereum, and ten percent the rest. And I off the top of my head, I don't know the valuations between Bitcoin and Ethereum, but uh, I think Ethereum is roughly one tenth the size of Bitcoin, and Mark Cuban's portfolio has if if the ether uh, weighted at one half of his bitcoin allocations i think it's i think it's one one fifth now actually um the size of of bitcoin it's been gaining um nice uh but it's still it's still overweight he's still overweight if if you're doing a market cap weighted kind of Mm -hmm. index there and not only the big name to get interested into Ethereum, uh, Toby Lutke, I think is how you pronounce his last name. The Shopify CEO tweeted this out the other day. Hey, DeFi Twitter, what are the commerce-related opportunities that you are most excited about? What role do you want Shopify to play? So Shopify CEO getting his hands into the world of DeFi. Anthony, what's your opinion there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and this wasn't the only tweet that he put out. He also put out another tweet. I don't know if it came before or after this one where he basically said he was diving into Ethereum smart contracts, which was absolutely uh, awesome to see. I mean, as you said, Shopify CEO, right? Someone mm-hmm. who uh, has, uh, I guess, oh, there it is. He put it out before. Um, he was dabbling with ETH smart contracts uh, to understand how ERC20s work. I mean, you know, the, given the fact that he's the Shopify CEO, you, you're, you're probably going to see maybe down the line some integrations, direct integrations with kind of um, crypto here. Um, and it's just, I mean, Shopify is the biggest e-commerce platform in the world. It is a huge company. I think, I'm pretty sure they're public and they're worth like uh, uh, billions and billions of dollars here. Um, and obviously e-commerce just got like a massive boost in the last year because of the, the pandemic. So, you know, if he integrated uh, some some kind of like Ethereum sort of stuff within Shopify, that would be absolutely huge, I think, in terms of like integrations. I mean, and, you know, this just follows on from the Visa news, right, where Visa was just settling on Ethereum. Imagine Shopify doing settlements on Ethereum and things like that. I mean, yeah, I, I just I, I saw this and I was like, this is just crazy. Ethereum's going mainstream. More, more and more people are going to be aware of Ethereum and everything that it can do. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just really great to see. And the, the thing that comes to mind is that uh, Toby, the CEO of Shopify, has 190,000 Twitter followers, which is very respectable. But also, what about all the other CEOs who aren't on Twitter? Like this guy just made a tweet because he's on Twitter and he likes to use Twitter. Obviously, he has 100, almost 200,000 followers. How many like, you know, CEOs of companies, related companies, are thinking about these same things and just don't really engage on Twitter? Anthony and I are on Twitter an, an unhealthy amount. So, of course, we see this. Um, what about all the things we aren't seeing? What's below the scene? question mark all right moving mm-hmm. on uh the um there is one week left to update your nodes for the ethereum berlin upgrade countdown you got one week to do that uh that is your psa if you run a node you got to update it anthony <laughs> anything related to that you want to say <laughs> just just update it and if you're not running a node run a node <laughs> yeah, absolutely all right, moving on. Uh, we, we talked about this. Uh, Polygon is really just killing the game when it comes to L2 integrations. Here is a graph from the block tweeted out by Cami, Cami Russo of the Defiant, where this graph shows value locked of Ethereum scaling solutions by type, right? Many different uh, scaling solutions. There's Plasma, ZK rollups, Optimistic rollups, Validium. Uh, Plasma, according to this graph, is really outstripping the rest. While the others have respectable growth, Plasma is really in the lead. And all of that plasma value locked is basically just polygon it's just polygon uh anthony why what can you say about why polygon has had out such outside success versus any of its other competitors 
Yeah, I mean, and I think Mahalo, one of the uh, Polygon kind of co-founders, actually uh, put a clar- clarification here that the the TVL is split between Polygon Plasma and Polygon POS chain. So it's not just the Plasma chain. Um, but I mean, there's a there's kind of differences here. I don't, I don't, I'm actually having a bit, uh, debates with Mahalo over this and, and definitions and stuff. We're, we're we're both trying to come to like an agreed upon definition of what counts as like a a layer two and like what that actually means. So a lot of this stuff is actually quite murky right now, but essentially the, the difference between these t- two technologies is that with Polygon Plasma, you can go through the Ethereum main chain to withdraw your funds, for example, because it's a plasma chain. It it just it uses the Ethereum network to, to process deposits and withdrawals and things like that. Whereas the Polygon POS chain, which is sometimes called a side chain, is using Polygon's own validators of which that you know they stake matic tokens and it's, it's kind of like that there's slashing involved it's like a true proof of stake system and they also commit themselves to to ethereum as well mm-hmm. so from that point of view there are there are differences there and it's all about trust assumptions but the i, I think you know the, the tvl across both of them is is huge right it's bigger than the other scalability solutions for ethereum right now but as you show you know uh zk rollup is gaining you know you can see it in the in the in the red or, or the kind of like reddish color there and that includes stuff like loop ring uh didx it's going to include immutable x and things like that too optimistic rollups right now is really just synthetics uh because they're the only app live on optimism right now on mainnet um and then validium is a is a form of kind of zk rollup here as well but it's it's distinctly different so that's why it's kind of um i guess like plucked out of there and that's still very 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 small right now but this is going to grow exponentially i reckon as we go progress further it's just going to get um more and more uh, kind of like, uh, I guess, like TVL locked in these things. All right, last little bit of Ethereum news. A tweet out of Justin Drake says, early polling suggests possible support for a 2021 minimum viable merge target. The merge comes after EIP-1559. It's itself slated for the London hard fork in July or August. Uh, and then he says, minimum viable, meaning no transfers, no withdrawals, no statelessness, no major EVM change. And he posts a screenshot of uh, an unknown Telegram group where he asks the question, it's a poll, um, safe minimum viable merge in 2021. It's possible, Let's di- it's desirable, let's ship it. And then 86% of people agreed, whoever, who's ever in this Telegram group, uh, agreed with that statement. I'm assuming this Telegram group is a decent uh, amount of like Ethereum core devs. Uh, Anthony, what does this mean? Yeah, so what the, I guess like what minimum viable means here is as Justin has described it, it literally just means like the minimum viable kind of, I guess, like uh, state we can get to for the merger, which essentially would be just the uh getting rid of proof of work so essentially the eth1 chain would get off proof of work and be validated by proof of stake by the currently known eth2 chain then post that like after that merger goes through you enable transfer so you can have like eth2 transfers to to eth1 it's all one ethereum but you can have transfers from you know the stakers on Mm -hmm. that are staking on the beacon chain right now to to kind of like eth1 there uh, and withdrawals and things like that statelessness obviously is going to come later that's basically the stateless client effort um which people can kind of google and look up um and then you know no major evm changes so there would be no changes to ETH on the eth1 side this would just be getting us to proof of stake and getting off proof of work which i think is the whole point i mean right. the major point of the merge at the end of the day because you know we, we want to get off proof of work as soon as possible and this you know for those who who, who are kind of like keeping score here this is a massive issuance reduction as well we go from a roughly four percent per year ETH issuance reduction under proof of work 
to a 0.5% currently under proof of stake. So this is bullish for the, both of those reasons, getting rid of proof of work, getting rid of miners and getting that issuance reduced by a large amount. So very excited for this. To me, this is the emergence of sound money culture really coming up out of the Ethereum community and saying, hey, like we know we had this plan, but like we can make Ether sound money, ultra sound money sooner. And so let's get that done. Uh, and sound money culture in Ethereum is alive and well and starting to actually manifest itself in governance decisions uh, about the way that Ethereum moves forward into the future. Um, that's I think that's great. I, I'm a big fan of sound money culture. <laughs> same same <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on to nft news uh leaving ethereum news onto nft news almost the same thing uh, now just a subset of ethereum news Ethereum startup Immutable aims to cut NFT costs with new layer L2 scaling protocol. So Immutable released Immutable X, which is an open platform to scale NFT. So disclaimer, I'm a seed investor into Immutable X. So I guess we're just passing off, back, passing uh, disclaimers back and forth. Um, Gauze Unchained is a really fun trading card game out of the Immutable team. Uh, and it's very much like uh, a combination of Magic the Gathering where you own physical cards. And that's kind of like owning cash, right? You own the physical cards. Uh, but it's also a combination of like Blizzard uh, Hearthstone where you get this trading card game and you play, you're playing online and you get all the benefits of a digital game, but you don't actually get any of the benefits of owning the actual cards. Gauze Unchained is the best of both worlds where you both own the assets and it's a digital game because they are NFTs on Ethereum. The problem is that uh, Immutable with Gauze Unchained, they were trying to make this marketplace for trading cards and the cards were sell for between $1 and $5, yet the fees to trade these things were between $5 and $30. So it really just hindered their ability to make the game that they wanted to, to, uh, wanted to make. And so what they did was they made Immutable X, which is an L2 scaling solution specifically engineered for NFTs on top of Starkware. Uh, and so I think this is going to be really hot. It's the combination of NFTs and scale, which both of those are hot, uh, and Immutable X just getting released now. Anthony, any takes here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's this is really cool to see. Uh, this is built on, on Starkware's technology. Uh, you know, this is going to solve a lot of the pain points of NFTs, I think, especially for, for God's Unchained here. Um, and, I, you know, this is an early release as well. So the the uh, what you can trade right now on there is uh one of the i guess like card uh kind of card expansion packs they brought out called trial of the gods if you maybe participated um in gods unchained as part of uh, the genesis event with genesis cards those aren't available just yet to trade but they will be so still early days here but it is live and you know you can trade like lightning fast you know zero fees because they're uh, they're they're kind of like there, there will be fees eventually, but they'll be like very small. But but immutable is kind of like paying those fees for for, for everyone right now. So um, yeah, go check it out if you if you haven't yet. I think it's gonna blow you away just how fast it is. Yep, and this is the future of scale on Ethereum. It's it's finally arriving. Same same platform that uh, DYDX we were talking about earlier. Starkware also powering uh, Immutable X. So we're gonna start to see uh, announcements like these more and more and more. Uh, in the other world of NFTs, uh, Super Rare raises $9 million for, to fund the future of art collecting. For those that don't know, Super Rare is an NFT issuance platform, kind of uh, more specifically and uh, focused on kind of fine art. Very not simply not open to everyone. You can't actually just go there and just mint an NFT. They want to kind of curate it. Uh, and they have raised $9 million in a seed round. C congrats to the guys at Super Rare. I'm going to move right on, Anthony, because we have, uh, we're going, definitely going over time. Nine rare CryptoPunks from Larva Labs own, uh, for, are now on Christie's. And so Christie's 
is now has CryptoPunks. It started with Beeple, it's moved on to some other things, and now we have CryptoPunks. What a crazy story that we have CryptoPunks on Christie's. Anthony, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, this just validates CryptoPunks even more, right? Like Christie's is, is a huge uh, auction house for for all sorts of art and things like that. So, you know, and, and CryptoPunks have been uh, obviously um, in, the, in the scene for quite a while now, but it's cool to see that, you know, th this, these, these punks belong to uh, Lava Labs. Uh, so the creators of CryptoPunks. So obviously they've come along and they're like, okay, well, you know, it, 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 you know, we've got these punks and we want to do it in like a big way. We want to sell them because obviously they want to be paid for their work because they're the original creators of it. Um, and that they're going to auction it off here. So I think this is going to get quite wild. They have an, mm -hmm. an alien um, to, to kind of auction off here, which is crazy because aliens are the rarest um, uh, crypto punks. There's only nine of them. So they have one here, um, which is which is absolutely insane. And, you know, I actually saw as I kind of woke up today um, that the crypto punks uh, kind of floor, the floor price raised from like 32,000 to 41,000 because someone just came along and just bought them all up mm -hmm. because this is going to bring so much fresh attention onto crypto punks. Um, it's going to be insane. I mean, I, I'm really bullish to see kind of like how uh, how this goes on, on Christie's here. I wish I had a DC investors tweet pulled up here where he uh, pulled uh, people, will we see crypto punks on Christie's in 2021? And I think like 40 people, 40% 40 of people said no. And DC was like, you guys are all wrong. Uh, and that was a number of months ago. So uh, tip of the hat to DC, getting it right. That's why we shield his uh, his uh, sub uh, new step stack at the very beginning. Uh, mm -hmm. Perhaps uh, maybe getting overheated on the other side of things, however, is Tom Brady, Super Bowl champion of many, many times over again. I'm not too much of a football fan. Uh, uh, is now launching an NFT company. Uh, Anthony, do you think the NFT world is getting a little too hot? I mean, it is, yeah, pretty hot, right? It is um, It is at a point where like most of the stuff in the NFT world is not going to have secondary market value. So if you're buying these things, then you're going to have to pretty much come to terms with the fact that you, there's a high chance that you're not going to get your money back. It is not like a token where you can just dump it into Uniswap and get something back if there's some liquidity. NFTs are very different in that you actually have to find a buyer. If you buy a piece of artwork and you want to sell it, right? You have to go and find someone that wants to buy that off you. You can't just go to Uniswap and dump it into a liquidity pool. Right. You have to buy, uh, you have to find someone. So from that point of view, yes, it's it's super, super overheated. Um, you know, I don't, I don't follow American football at all. Uh, I, know, I know who Tom Brady is, but I, I know how big of a star he is, but this is just like, you know, people like to say just top signals, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it might be adoption too. Like I know there's a lot of sports memorabilia. So maybe they're just like taking the physical memorabilia and creating like NFTs out of it, which I think is fine and actually a natural fit. So I wouldn't really, maybe I wouldn't call it a top signal. It's maybe just an adoption signal, right? Mm -hmm. I like to use that term these days. Yeah, the, the thing I would like to know is to what degree is Tom Brady the actual founder of this thing or what degree is this just, is he just a name? And he probably- I mean, thinks, board and advisors. So he's really, I mean, I would say he's just like, yeah. He just, yeah, <laughs> you can slap my name on it. Yeah, uh -huh. maybe yeah, that's what's yeah. going on here. Anyways, in that case, like the world of NFTs, I continuing to grow out at the very least. Uh, another fun little story is the overly attached girlfriend meme. Uh, this this was a, one of my favorite memes a number of years ago. It's kind of phased out of popularity. Um, but these old memes are going for insane values. And so the actual overattached girlfriend, I don't know what her name is. I just call her the over. Oh, I guess her name is Liana. Uh, she sold this meme for 200 ETH. Someone bought to uh, this meme for $416,000. Um, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Anthony, any comments here? 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny to see like all of these kind of people who had memes created out the uh, uh, created of them to come back and monetize it now, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I blame them for at all for doing this. The market is extremely hot. Why wouldn't you? If I was a meme, I mean, I guess sometimes I'm a meme, but if I was a meme as big as overly attached to girlfriend, I would definitely be monetizing it as well because. You know, I mean, not only is she get, getting like money out of this, but she's also staking her claim on this meme too, like digital representation of her being like, I am in this meme. This is uh, this is kind of like my original kind of, um, you know, picture here. And if you want to own uh, this piece, you can buy it off me essentially. So I think from that point of view, it makes sense. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know if this is an adoption signal or a top signal. This one stumps me. Like, I, I don't know what, I mean, I wouldn't buy this meme for $400,000. I wouldn't buy any meme for $400,000, but I guess it's a percentage of your net worth. So if you're really rich, maybe $400,000 isn't much to you. So you don't care. So maybe it works like that for some people. Yeah. To me, the question mark that I have is like this, this meme is definitely like retired. It's a retired meme. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. is that still worth almost half a million dollars? Uh, I, I guess to someone it is like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And on to Bitcoin news, Grayscale's intentions for a Bitcoin ETF. As we know, in we've talked about this a number of times on the Bankless Weekly rollups, the GBTC premium is under the actual assets that Grayscale has in its uh, in its treasury, uh, and it's and they are making this statement that they are committed to rolling GBTC in an ETF into an ETF, which would actually just immediately nix that that uh, the fact that GBTC is trading under the actual value under their assets. The interesting part to me is that they made this this infographic called life life cycle of a grayscale product which is one launch private placement two obtain public quotation on secondary market which means like make this thing available three become sec reporting and then four convert it into an etf so is grayscale just turning into an etf churning machine question mark and they out they outline this for a number of their different products that they have where they are starting all of these new grayscale trusts the basic attention token trust the chain link trust the decentralized file filecoin live peer stellar lumens trust and then some of them have moved on into what they call public quotation this is where bitcoin cash is this is where litecoin is ethereum classic uh the digital large cap fund and then the sec reporting which is just btc gbtc and eth e the uh the grayscale bitcoin and Grayscale Ethereum Trust. And then they have this last panel, which is unfilled, but they're trying to get every single one of their products moved into this ETF category, uh, probably starting with GBTC and Ethereum ETH-E not too far along after that. So pretty interesting development out of the Grayscale world. And Grayscale world. Anthony, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, I the ETFs kind of like thing has been talked about for a while for Bitcoin. I would be very surprised if we don't get Bitcoin ETFs this year. I mean, look look at what's happening in terms of like, I guess, public companies putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Coinbase now, you know, going going uh, live, like um, going live on direct listing and things like that. Like traditional finance and the old world is merging with crypto. And the ETF is one of the biggest mergers that can happen. The ETF is an amazing product for a lot of people. The, uh, you know, the greatest scale products as they currently exist are not great a lot of the time because they either trade at a discount or at a premium to their net asset value. Whereas an ETF, it does not. Um, uh, and if it does, it gets arbitraged away. So it, it, it's very fair for people. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see a Bitcoin ETF go live or multiple ones go live because then ETH is next in line, right? And ETH is coming straight up after it. And it's not going to take, you know, years and years and years because ETH already has futures on CME, which is a prerequisite or, a, or, a, or, a, or a, I mean, I don't know if it's a hard prerequisite, but it's definitely a spiritual one to getting um, an ETF. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think... 
there's going to be a handful of Bitcoin ETFs coming out. There's not just going to be one. And GPT, I mean, Grayscale uh, GBTC is definitely uh, a, a top contender there. Totally. All right, Anthony, I'm about to burn through the rest of these. So raise a hand if you want to lay a comment, but I'm just going to go really fast through these. Grayscale, or not Grayscale, MicroStrategy bought another $15 million worth of Bitcoin at an average price of $59,000. Again, they have this little graphic that they have been using and using and using. And so this is just going to be, again, a reoccurring theme. Grace, or MicroStrategy is just going to dollar cost average into Bitcoin perpetually. JP Morgan adjusts its Bitcoin price uh, to $130,000. I always think announcements of raising price targets is hilarious because targets are supposed to be met, not raised, but uh, whatever. Uh, so big institutions getting really bullish on Bitcoin. There is a class action lawsuit filed against uh, Ledger for their data breach, which uh, we talked about a, a, a number of months ago. There was a, a breach of the user's information. And now there's a class action lawsuit against Ledger. Also uh, Shopify for completely unrelated to crypto, um, but again, a, a customer data breach as well. And then lastly, the uh, FTX is officially becoming the uh, a, the name of the Miami uh, I, I, Miami Heat. I don't know. A, a stadium in Miami is now going to be uh, called FTX Arena. Uh, again, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, but F Sam Bankman-Fried literally just planting his name on an arena in America. Crypto's taking over the world, in my opinion, perhaps not the best move because it's, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried is not somebody that wants to have all that many headlines about him, but I guess he doesn't really care about that. All right, guys, we're about to get into the takes. Who has had some interesting takes? And a small teaser, a lot of them are about Coinbase. Uh, and then we're going to get into what David and Anthony are excited about. But first, before we do that, we're going to get into it, these sponsors that make this show possible. Guys, we've entered a bull market. Now is the time to start building your crypto empire, and you should do it on Gemini. You already know Gemini is the world's most trusted crypto exchange, but now you can do even more than trade. You can earn. You can take one of your crypto assets and park it in an interest-earning Gemini account where you can get up to 7.4% annualized. There's nothing more satisfying than earning passive income on an asset that you're already bullish on. This is a crypto-native superpower. You know what's coming soon too? A Gemini crypto credit card. Yep, that's a credit card, not a debit card. It gives you rewards and hard money crypto assets, not something inflationary like airline miles or hotel points. It gives you up to 3% cash back in crypto. The card is coming in Q2, but you should get on the waiting list right now and we'll include a link. See what I mean? This is more than just trading. Gemini is your bridge to crypto for the bull market. Open a free account in less than three minutes at Gemini.com slash go bankless. Get $15 in Bitcoin after you trade your first $100. That's Gemini.com slash go bankless. Synthetix is Ethereum's decentralized derivatives liquidity protocol. What does that mean? Synthetix is a platform for creating and trading synthetic assets, which are assets that are priced via an oracle rather than bids or asks. Traders can use the Quenta exchange, which hosts and trades all of the synthetic assets created by Synthetix. Traders on Quenta can trade synthetic tokens like SBTC, SOIL, or SDFI. Because Quenta is powered by synthetics, traders experience zero slippage on their trades. No, I didn't mean low slippage, I meant no slippage, because that is the power of the synthetics platform. No slippage on your trades. You can also easily short assets with iSynths, which are synthetic assets that move inversely to their target asset. 
Synthetics isn't just for traders. Developers can build on Synthetics to access the infinite liquidity offered by Synthetic assets. Or investors can stake collateral to the protocol and earn fees that the protocol collects. If you're a trader and you're looking for a trading platform and not found in the legacy world, check out Quenta.io. If you're a developer or you just want to earn yield on your collateral, go to www.synthetics.io where you can stake your SNX or ETH and earn fees from Synthetics. Let's get into some takes, Anthony. I think this is going to be where uh, where you're going to have a, a fun time here. Where the first three takes that we've got lined up are all about Coinbase. Uh, and so Eric Connor, your good friend Eric Connor, says, "Don't buy the Coinbase IPO after multiple insiders already got better pricing. Buy DPI instead." Anthony, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, if you do a relative kind of market cap basis between uh, Coinbase, which might you know, highly likely it'll open a $200 billion cap and DeFi, there is a massive gap there. And DeFi, you know, Uniswap is already doing more volume than Coinbase on some days. So, and that's just one app, right? And then you've got the rest of the DeFi ecosystem and obviously DPI tracks that. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I'd take a position from Eric is that like, do do both, but like wait more DPI maybe, because that'll give you probably more more more, more growth prospects over the long term, I think. All right, continuing the bashing of Coinbase IPO or uh, the listing, which I don't intend to do, but I thought this was a cool take too. Uh, Uniswap gave me 400 voting tokens valued at $12,000. Coinbase gave my information to the IRS. I don't mean to be <laughs> shitting on Coinbase. I just think it's a funny juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a funny tweet. I mean, I really would like Coinbase to airdrop their uh, their, their kind of like uh, equity or stock to people mm -hmm. who use the platform. Um, but I think there's a lot of regulatory kind of issues there and it would be a nightmare for them. I'm pretty sure they they probably came, thought about it and talked about it and probably thought, uh, we don't want the regulatory issues. This is going to cost us too much. Let's just, uh, let's punt on that. <laughs> yeah, never, never, ever been done before. However, they do have KYC information of all US customers. And if they are public, they can give it away. Um, mm -hmm. well, the hurdles aren't all that high, but I would imagine that there's a bunch I don't know about, about how incredibly complex that would become. All right, last mm -hmm. Coinbase take. Uh, Ryan Selkis says, do you really want to sit on the sidelines in this dip when 1,000 Coinbase millionaires are about to rotate out of stonk and into cryptos? Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Coinbase is going to be the one of the biggest IPOs in history, and there's going to be a lot of unlocked Coinbase equity uh, being accessible and turned into capital from people with Coinbase equity. And he said, he, uh, he said Ryan Selkis, founder of Mazari, says that this rotation out of Coinbase donk into cryptos is going to be epic. I think that's going to be a, a, a good take. Good take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it remains to be seen how much will rotate into crypto but i think crypto covers stable coins now too so maybe people just go into stable coins and then yield farm with it that's to me the same stuff like that going to stable coins is fine i think sure yeah maybe it'll just add a bunch of stable coin liquidity to DeFi. absolutely all right, our first non-Coinbase uh, non take. Uh, this came out uh, not too long ago, and I wanted to highlight this as a learning lesson for for, for just what it means to be in a bull market. Uh, there was a, a, a an announcement made that Balancer would be integrating with Algorand and helping add Balancer's uh, DeFi app to Algorand, and this turned out to be basically a fake announcement. And fake announcements are a very strong symptom of a bull market. Announcements are just the, the blood of bull markets because people there's people are clamoring for attention. So people will do what they want to do to get attention. Turns out this was not actually, this didn't actually happen. Uh, Balancer just gave Algorand a grant 
and not even to do build balancer i'm not even sure why they gave them a grant and Al and somebody at algorand turned this into a big hype story and so uh jeremy i'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name last name sorry jeremy uh gave this uh tldr in a tweet thread that saying it kind of broke down this story saying you know this this was a fake story that got turned into something that it wasn't and that's a lesson to be learned anthony any takes here yeah, you, you mean you said it well. It's partnership season, as I like to call it, where mm -hmm. people just love to announce um, these things to pump up their token price. You know, I'm pretty sure the Algorand price would have probably gone up on this announcement, right? Because Balancer is a top DeFi protocol mm -hmm. and people will be spinning the narrative that, oh, look, top Ethereum DeFi protocols are migrating to, you know, this right. Ethereum killer. And look at the headline, aims to be Algorand's Uniswap. Like, come on, like, yep. this is just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, just hype and and this is how you get caught out as well. Like if, if something pumps on like news, I've always seen like uh, the short term, it tends to just drop back down because it's not like real buyers. It's just speculators being like, I'm going to pump this up on this news and then I'm just going to dump it like, uh, you know, in, in a little while. So yeah, just... Uh, be safe out there with these sorts of things. Be safe, yeah. And the last take actually comes from you, but I, I was the one that tweeted it. Uh, Ethereum's <laughs> event horizon only grows larger. And this is something that we talked about on our Friday weekly uh, live stream, which by the way, for those that haven't tuned into those, Anthony and I do these every single Friday, except actually for this Friday because I'll actually be gone. Uh, but that's why we have Anthony <laughs> on the weekly roll-ups instead. But Anthony, you said, you said something about Ethereum's event horizon. Could you explain that metaphor to uh, the listeners? Yeah, so essentially, uh, I can't remember exactly the context of what we were talking about, but I think, you know, once you're like in the Ethereum ecosystem, it's just like very, very hard to escape it, right? Just like it's basically impossible to escape a black hole, a black hole's event horizon um, in space, it's it's very hard to escape Ethereum's pull on you. Like, even if you're a fan of, I guess, like other chains and you want to spend time in other ecosystems, Ethereum is still going to kind of like uh, draw you in, right? It's still going to keep you in its ecosystem no matter what, because there's just so much opportunity to be had. There's so much cool stuff going on. You know, it's very hard to not be involved. And I would even go as far as to say that, you know, a lot of people who ident identify as Bitcoin maximalists are using Ethereum. They're just not talking about it. Because if you... If you want to make like even just make money, right? And and you have Bitcoin, the opportunity to make the most money right now is putting your Bitcoin on Ethereum and yield farming with it. Like you're not going to get that from the centralized kind of institutions like BlockFi and stuff like that, which, you know, Bitcoin maximalists also love, but it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter who you are and you can do it all anonymously. You don't have to tell anyone. You spin up an Ethereum address. No one knows who you are, right? Um, unless you kind of link it to a, to something that could link it to you. But most of the time it's, it's, it's very hard. So from that perspective, yeah, Ethereum just has this incredible pull on everyone in the ecosystem. Doesn't matter if they hate Ethereum, if they love other chains, they think there's, their Ethereum killer is going to, you know, kill Ethereum. There's just too much opportunity in, in Ethereum land. And that, that's what pulls people in, I think. Yep, absolutely. All right, we are now getting into what we are excited about. Again, usually it's reserved for what's David and Ryan's excited about, but today we have Anthony. And so I'll, I'll start because I, I usually do start. And what I'm excited about this week is... Um, the perhaps the acceleration of the merge uh, that is insane and I, I alluded to this when we were talking about the the Justin Drake tweet but the the what is happening in my mind is a, a bunch of ethereum developers and community members are planting a flag and they are saying yo it is time for sound money culture let's get sound money up and out the gate we have this proof of stake thing and it's ready to go 
let's use it. Let's prioritize it. Let's have some urgency uh, and let's get this ultrasound meme actually into reality. And the fact that this is manifesting in both the, the, the values and prioritization of not just the community, but the actual Ethereum developers, I think is really, really cool. And that gets me excited about the future of Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely, um, you know, mirror that as well. But I would say that just to be a little bit different is that the thing that I am most excited about outside of that is uh, the layer two adoption that's been happening lately and will continue to happen into the future. I put a tweet out a few weeks ago, and I still believe this is true today. And I basically said, uh, layer two is here; it's just not evenly distributed yet. And what I meant by that is that all the technology is here right? It is, it is popping up in pockets, in silos across the ecosystem, but it's just not evenly distributed. We don't have bridges, right? We don't have people adopting them just yet, but that's going to come. It's going to come in, in, in waves, essentially, as uh, the, the famous quote, we are coming in waves, right? Uh, that's what's going to happen. People are going to adopt it. More and more people are going to uh, are going to go to layer two. Um, there's going to be bridges. There's going to be more liquidity. There's going to be more TVL. And that's going to happen much faster than people think uh, over the next few months. I mean, I use the kind of example that in May of 2020, Uniswap's 24-hour volume was $10 million. Now it is consistently over $1 billion a lot of the time, or at least close to $1 billion. That's the same thing's going to happen to layer two. Today, it's 10 million, like on DYDX. In a few months, can be a billion, right? And it can probably grow even faster because of the fact that we already have a massive DeFi user base, right? And then we already have a lot of new people coming into the ecosystem that may have been priced out of layer one that will now be able to experience Ethereum DeFi again at layer two. So yeah, that's what I'm super, super excited about. And uh, I think that, you know, the merge is just as exciting and just as critical, but I think, you know, scaling, I mean, the merge is like a part of scaling where we, we want to get rid of like a proof of work or a proof of stake and then add sharding after the merge as well. So the merge is like a, a prerequisite to, to sharding. So, uh, which, which obviously adds more scalability to Ethereum. So that's what I'm most excited about right now. Yeah, the, the list could go on. We could talk about what we're excited about for hours. And in fact, we actually do on the Friday uh, Daily Gway Bankless live streams. Again, not happening tomorrow or I guess today when you are listening to this, um, but literally happens every other Friday that uh, other than this one. Um, so tune into those when we do those. They're a ton of fun. And well, the other thing that I'm excited about is the meme of the week. Here it is. Uh, the meme of the week uh, from Crypto Wife, <laughs> who's had a number of other uh, fantastic memes out uh, just out of this Twitter account. A great her Photoshop skills are absolutely insane. She says, "Guys, I think we're ready. Ask me where we're going." And it's Vitalik, Tim Bako, and Justin Drake in astronaut suits, Ethereum themed astronaut suits, and they look like that they are just ready to fucking send it. Uh, and that's the meme <laughs> of the week. Yeah, yeah. And then there's this 1559 in the background, right? Little subtle um, kind of a, a shield there, I think. But mm -hmm. yeah, Crypto Wife's just killing the meme game. Uh, absolutely love her memes. So, you know, keep it up, whoever you are, uh, for sure. But yeah, I love this one as well. This is this is great. All right, guys. Congratula <laughs> Congratulations, Anthony. We made it through the, this marathon of the weekly roll-up. Thank you for tapping in and being a great substitute teacher for Ryan. Uh, do you want to give yourself a little bit of a self-shill? Where can people follow you? Uh, because when I'm, I'm putting the agenda together for the weekly roll-ups, I basically just follow Anthony around the internet. It's like, oh, Anthony's talking about this. Anthony's talking about this. And so uh, if people want to go straight to the source, where should they go? Yeah, yeah. So just easiest way to follow me is on Twitter at um, Sassel0x, which I'm sure you'll you'll link in the description there. Uh, but also I do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff at the Daily Gway and Ethub. You can just Google both of those things. I do 
daily newsletter, daily YouTube recaps of the of the Ethereum ecosystem. And then at Ethub, there's a weekly newsletter and weekly recaps with my co-founder, Eric Connor. Uh, and then, yeah, that's that's basically where I spend most of my time. Uh, so yeah, as you said, like you probably troll through a lot of the things that I cover and everything like that. Um, I try to stay like at the bleeding edge of stuff. It's very hard mm-hmm. these days because there's so much stuff happening. But yeah, that's the, that's the self-shield for everyone. Fantastic. And again, thank you for being my news partner this week. All right, guys, risks and disclaimers. ETH is risky. Crypto is risky. DeFi is risky. Risky. You could lose what you put in. We are headed west. We've got our astronaut suits on. We're on the frontier. It isn't for anyone, everyone, but we are glad you are with us on the bankless journey. That's the first time I've actually ever said that. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> and, uh, and as a final send off, get your bankless badge. We want you to get your bankless badge. Cheers. Awesome.